0: the Healthy Families podcast, and I am your host, Jenny Hatch. Recently, I reported on the Hamblin hearing in Utah, and I have been contacted by a woman named Kate, who would like to share her story here on the podcast. So, Kate, welcome.
1: Hello. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, You contacted me, and let me know that you were an associate of David Hamblin and you wanted to share your story. So let's hear your story.
1: All right. Well, um, I met David Hamblin, I think it was in 2009. Um, I had been, I'll tell you a little bit of of my backstory and how I met him. I had been struggling with, with my own memories and issues and Depression, mostly like postpartum depression, very much, and also just um, memories coming up of um, uh, uh, ritualistic abuse in in the LDS church. And my husband at the time, um, his his brother was married to a gal who was struggling with her own abuse issues, and they had found help with um, David Hamblin's healing circles. And they mentioned to us that it might be of some help to me.
0: So this is 2009 and I'm assuming you maybe had a new baby.
1: Well, 2009. No, my baby was like three. I think I had, I had a, a four. I'm sorry. I had a lot of, um, a lot of health issues, a lot of mental health issues and a lot of struggles, um, which I believe were all a, a direct result of the trauma that I had been in and through as a child um being abused ritualistically abused as a child and I had looked for help and and hadn't really found it and um and my sister-in-law and my brother-in-law at the time was like you know this this person is helping people who haven't been able to get help through conventional means and maybe you should talk to him and so I was really a sick person a very sick person physically and emotionally and mentally and I was looking for help and that's how that's how I met him so my first experience with him was as someone who um who was really looking for help and looking for guidance and I felt like like he would be preyed on that. That's something that that's definitely Hamblin's ML. He seeks out people who are suffering, who might not have gotten help in conventional ways. Um, and he appeals to that side of it, you know, that maybe he can do some sort of therapy, you know, in, ther- in regular therapy. You can't talk about spirituality, but we can do it here in the healing circle. So that was that was kind of um, how I was led, led into it. Uh, with my with my ex-husband and it was through his brother and his brother's wife so that was in 2009 um and then I think about 2009 and so I started going to his healing circles and um became associated with other people that were were doing the same thing people who were were hurting and had issues and wanted help that that's what all of us were and um you know, we hadn't found help in, in traditional, in a traditional sense, I guess. You know, a lot of us had had, had trouble with our, um, by the counselor or, or even with traditional, um, like our bishop. Most people, most of them were LDS, you know, looking for help from our bishop and our bishop didn't understand. And Hamlin really presented this, this, idea you know that he he knew more about healing and that he could help spiritual healing and integrate part you know his parts um his whole parts philosophy and that he could help me be whole and heal and move away from that so that's how i got involved with it and and it was really at a time when i i was really hurting and i needed a lot of help and unfortunately instead of getting help it just it just made my situation a whole lot worse because Hamblin's whole Premise is predatory, I believe. You know, he he preys on people that are hurting and uh, he exploits their pain.
0: And were you aware when you joined around that time that he had been, you know, kicked out of psychology for abusing his patients? Did you know any of the backstory? No,
1: no, no, no. I didn't know any of that. No, I didn't know any of that. I didn't know that he had um, lost or surrendered his license. I didn't know that. He had been accused of sexually abusing his own kids during a lengthy and detailed divorce. Um, I didn't know any of that. It was just presented to me by by David as like we do things differently here. We we recognize the Holy Spirit in in healing, and that and that's the only way we can heal. And so it sounded good. It sounded like yeah, that's this is what we need. We need somebody who. Who recognizes that healing happens through uh, through our faith, and and also has knowledge of of you know psych, psych, not necessarily psychiatric but psychological conditions. You know, so no, I it was never I, I didn't know that anything about his past and and his his situation so
0: did he present as a faithful member of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints because he was excommunicated uh,
1: no he didn't really he didn't he didn't he didn't present as a um he, more like the lds church had gotten off track you know like that he was doing you know with his first book the righteous branch that he wrote um it was about how how the the mainstream LDS church was kind of gotten off the rails, or gotten you know, had lost the truth of of the gospel according to Joseph Smith and um, and the founders of the church. So no, he he didn't he didn't preach that he was a a practicing member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, and he let he let people know that that he believed they were they were lost, you know, they, they had gotten sidetracked, but that the true healing and the true gift and the true priesthood, you know, that he had, that he had knowledge of that. So that's what his first book, the, the, the righteous branch was about. And then he had another book, um, during the time that I was associated with him about the book of Mormon and Mary, um, Where he kind of, you know, Hamlin just kind of cherry-picked whatever suited him from doctrine of the Mormon Church. I see that now. I didn't then. You know, at that time, I was really really seeking and searching and hoping for some sort of help for what had harmed what happened to me. And I didn't recognize that what he had done is just kind of, like, cherry-picked theology from Native American teachings, from... Um, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saint teachings from Catholic teachings, um, especially when it came to Mother Mary or the Virgin Mary, he just kind of cherry picked whatever suited his agenda at the time. Um, so, no he he wasn't he wasn't active in in the Mormon Church, but I didn't know that he had been excommunicated. I I was kind of led to believe that he had left it because they had gone astray.
0: Okay. And about when did you realize it was not helpful working with him and you probably should move along?
1: Um, you know, it was really a difficult thing for me because I, from the very beginning, I wanted it to, I wanted it to be helpful. And it felt like that it did at first, you know, it felt like talking about things, it was presented in his healing circle that that they're not afraid to talk about anything. That there's nothing taboo. That you know that we could talk about our deepest hurts and pains, and 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 that that it can be healed. And, and I wanted to believe that, and that seemed really refreshing to me because I kind of had come from a situation where there was a lot of shame involved in in sex abuse. And that it was something that we didn't want to talk about, or that we only talked about in certain situations, and and, you know, we don't, we don't, you know, a lot of hush going on. And so that at first it seemed like this is really good, you know, they, we could talk about everything and lay it out. And so at first it 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 seemed kind of freeing to be able to talk about horrible things that had happened. Um, but then I realized, like, getting talking about it and bringing it up and being led by Hamblin and his healing circles to repeat what had happened or to you know it he was doing hypnotism really is what he was doing and he was he was taking people's traumas and talking about them over and over and also um repeating them you know but and that that's not helpful. So at first, I guess maybe for a few months, I was like, yeah, this is, this is super refreshing that we can all, you know, we can lay it out on the table and we can talk about things that have been hushed and we can, you know, everybody's voice can be heard. Um, and that's what, and, and it will heal us. And then as it went on, I was like, you know, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily healing to, to keep talking about, um, specific events or actual instances of of abuse and then re redoing it you know
0: or, yeah. or you start to wallow in it
1: <laughs> yeah you do wallow in it and, and i'm not i'm not saying that 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 certain i mean there is a time and a place for dealing with memories and and hearing people's experiences it's really important to honor and listen to people's pain and hurt but I personally believe it doesn't do any good to just wallow in and talk about and and relive and reenact our traumas I don't for me personally it's not healing to to revisit it over and over so at first I I I thought like that was healing and then and then I was like "Eh, you know what's going on here where we can't ever get past a certain.
0: Right. What's the goal?
1: What's the goal? Yeah. Mm. And I know now that the goal for Hamblin was to hear where people have, hear where people have been harmed and traumatized and then to prey on that and to to exploit it and make it worse. So I guess maybe a few months into it, I was like, eh. You know, at first it seemed really freeing, and then it felt just like, wait a minute, this is not going in the right direction. But, um, you know, he's a, he's a really powerful person, and I was in a situation where I, I was really beat down, and I was really sick, and I was really, really vulnerable. And um, and he, he definitely preyed on on that part of me and exploited it.
0: Well, I got to share with you something that I'm feeling like I should share right now. And um, I started healing in 2001 after my brother died. And uh, his death kind of brought up my memories first of fa- family pattern, sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. And I healed that worked on that for like 10 years in a variety of different ways. And what I realized as each new layer of memory came up, I was brought back to the age I was, the circumstance that it happened in. My life just sort of organized itself to help me reconcile through the things that were happening in my day-to-day life. And I would find myself in a frame of mind like I was a two-year-old, just remembering, or a seven-year-old. And in that childlike state of mind, you do have a tendency to want to go out and shake people and say, do you know what happened to me? Will you listen to me? And so you're desperate to have someone believe you and validate what what just happened. But the people in your day-to-day life are not trained. They do not know what's going on with you. And it, it frightens them. And so I learned to be more private and not overshare. Right. I continued to do most of the reconciliation work on my own. And I yeah. found it very helpful when something came upon me to just excuse myself from my family and go up to my bedroom start placing essential oils all over important reflux points on my body, my temples, a couple of drops here, the tips of my fingers and toes over my heart. And then I would just lay there and pray and sing. Okay. Let it reconcile. Give it a nod. Okay. This happened to me. I found that highly beneficial, more beneficial than spilling my guts on a therapist's couch right? or like you say, wallowing in it with other survivors. I'm not, knocking, right. I'm not knocking group therapy.
1: No, me either. Me either. It has a place.
0: But this was better for me. It it was less expensive in terms of, you know, therapy here oh. now is 350 an oh. hour. You know,
1: I'm really grateful that you found what worked for you with that. I would say I would identify with you and share my, what worked, what really worked for me and my healing, um, was being in nature and also, um, like you, the, you said the essential oils helped you and I'm really I'm glad you found that for me it was it was creativity it was my handwork my knitting um, being out in nature and in the sunshine connecting with the earth that sort of thing has helped me heal and I think healing is a very individual thing Thing You know, what works, it's not a one size fits all and what works for one person doesn't work for others and and healing modalities. I think there's, you know, there's, there's good and truth in, in all of them. And if you find one that works for you, go for it for sure. But the healing that, that, that David Hamlin uh, perceived or, you know, purported to offer, was, it wasn't true healing. He was, he was manipulating people in their most broken and sad and harmed states. And he was manipulating them to his own end.
0: Well, Fiona Barnett in Australia claims that this is a form of reprogramming, meaning Mm -hmm. you've been, you've been programmed as a child to think and believe a certain way. And if it appears that you're starting to heal because you're starting to remember there is a group of people out there who are reprogrammers who want you to go right back into that dissociative childlike state because you're more easier. It's easier for them to control you and they don't want anybody waking up to what they're doing. And so I believe they have people like David Hamblin at the crossroads of various places, survivor networks, legal firms where you supposedly get help. I think there's even people in law enforcement and in the various hospitals who are kind of there at the crossroads watching for people who've been ritually abused and how Mm -hmm. can we gaslight them and reprogram them. And then I think there are legitimate healers out there who just want to help. And
1: I think there are two.
0: Your job as as a person who's suffered these crimes is to ask to be guided to those who will really help you. And then, if you are in a situation where somebody's truly messing with you, um, to extract yourself, get out if you can. So, how right. did how did you extract yourself from this situation?
1: Well, it, it was a long and terrible process, really, because my physical health was getting worse. Um, I had a lot of autoimmune illnesses, and and my mental health was getting worse too. Because you know part of Hamblin's MO was like coaching couples to like repeat traumas. You know, he, he made us believe that he led us to believe that, that my ex-husband at the time, like reenacting my traumas that had happened to me as a, as a kid, but with my spouse at the time would heal me. So if we, if we redid the traumas, but with a righteous person and his righteous seed, that that would kind of undo the the damage done um, to me as a kid, and 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 you know it it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> <Meeting laughs> this does not does not heal us, and and it put us in in a really difficult situation with my you know, my ex-husband and, and myself both, you know, I remember when we, we would talk about something and, and Hamblin would say, well, like, okay, this is a memory that Kate has. So now you guys need to, to redo it. Um, you know, basically instruct us to reenact it. But with, what, but with, with my ex-husband, um, you know, his righteous seed would undo it. So it, it didn't help at all. I was getting sicker and sicker because my traumas were being repeated and my body was getting sicker. Um, my physical health was really bad. And at that, at the time, I thought that, that the medical establishment would help me and, and it didn't help me at all. I, it, I mean, I shouldn't say at all. I have had some really good doctors that That have helped me with stuff but during that time when when my traumas were being repeated and my ex-husband got more and more enmeshed and controlled by by david hamblin i became more shut down and i began um medicating my 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 pain that i was going through which was i mean keep in mind at that time i was having memories come to surface of my my childhood abuse I would share that with my husband who then would share it with Hamblin or we'd share it at the healing circle and then it would be repeated and so it was really damaging to me and and I was medicating my feelings with pharmaceuticals to try to survive you know
0: well and let me insert here I personally believe the mental hospitals psychiatry and the pills are helpful in a crisis yes, that when when you're in a mania or a psychosis or a suicidal depression they can provide a bridge to a better place that short-term is very helpful yeah but for long-term healing I personally believe the side effects are not worth the supposed cure and I so agree. if you're working with a doctor who says oh you're gonna have to be on this drug for the rest of your life, I reject that. I believe that's a phar- pharmaceutical talking point. Yeah, I be- I yeah, believe I- long term healing is found in quiet living, good nutrition, sleep, and just right. recognizing your triggers and trying trying to manage, uh, not being set off. You know,
1: I would agree with you on that hundred percent. So, so uh, how I left Hamblin's, um, how I left all of that was, that, you know, it just got it got worse. You know, I, I was looking for help instead of getting help. I got more, more traumas, um, because of, I was completely overwhelmed with the traumas that were going on. I was self-medicating and, um, became addicted to pharmaceuticals. And so I, I went to a, um, how it ended and I, and I left as I went to Um, I went to a detox facility and I went to treatment for addiction to pharmaceuticals. And, and that was really, really a good thing for me to do because uh, up to that point, my head wasn't clear because I was on a bunch of medication, you know, and, and it, I didn't really see what was, what was happening so much. And it's important for me to, to, to say too, that um, David Hamblin, is somebody who enjoys or and or practices putting people in in an altered state of being, whether through peyote or pills or whatever. Like Hamlin actually would, there were times he asked me to get pharmaceuticals and give them to him, and uh, so it he definitely knew how to how to keep people um, compliant. I guess you you could say
0: but have you read uh, have you read the victim statements from the program? Provol-
1: i've I read uh i haven't read them in 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 their entirety because it's a lot and it's it, obviously it's difficult for me to, to to i want to and i'm going to read the whole thing because i think their stories need to be heard and that's how we help one another heal is by um, observing and holding space for one another but i haven't read the, absolutely the whole all of it yet because it's a lot and it's really
0: disturbing well it was astounding to me but not surprising that they went to such levels to get their hands on all the drugs even to veterinarians getting you know horse-sized doses of certain tranquilizers and then using those constantly those drugs it was just such a part of the scene so i'm i'm glad you can share that that was your experience as well
1: yeah yeah so when i it's when i went to a um my family, my parents were really instrumental in that they had seen me really struggling and going downhill and, and didn't really know. They didn't really know what was going on. And, you know, it got, it got presented to them as like, Kate's just this big pill junkie. You know, she's an addict and she needs to get sick. You know, we need to fix it. And that's the whole problem in the family. And I, and and that wasn't the whole problem in our family. The whole problem was that there was this huge predator, um, very intricately, intricately um, involved in what was going on in my household, and controlling and manipulating my husband at the time. And uh, and yes, def- definitely the my medicating my pain had had a part in it but that wasn't the only problem you know it i think it got um presented as like kate is is the problem here because because she's a a junkie when really what was going on is that i i was trying to come to terms with a lot of abuse that had happened to me as a child and in doing so um i got wrapped up in another abusive situation
0: It's so, it's so easy to blame it on the booze and the pills.
1: Right. Right. But, you know, I went to, I'm really grateful that I went and um, I learned a whole lot about myself and I learned a lot about trauma and how so many of us that that have been through abuses and traumas um, develop addictions as a way to get through our lives because it is really painful and we don't have a safe place to talk about things and, and process our, pain. So I'm really, I'm, I'm super grateful that I did. And I, you know, I, um, uh, I'm grateful for the, the good people in, in, in the recovery community that, that really helped me through all of that. But that's how, anyway, that's a long story, but that's how I got to, um, get away from that is that everything kind of came to a head in my, in my relationship with my ex-husband, where, He was, he was like, his position was like, yeah, she's just this big, huge mess and uh, a complete junkie and, and I'm sick of her. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a big mess. And the reason I'm a big mess is all of my traumas are being um, redone and rehashed and played out in a relationship that should be safe. I should have been safe with my husband he should have you know our husbands should speak up for us and protect us and help us and my husband got manipulated by David Hamblin into believing that reenacting my traumas was healing me and when I put a stop to that and said no more I'm not doing it no more um, then that was the end of my marriage he you know I'll, my ex-husband and I had a had a discussion and I said are you are you you're not ever going, this was after I went to a treatment facility. I said, you're not ever going to stop associating with David Hamblin, are you? And he said, no. And I said, then we need to get a divorce.
0: And what year was that?
1: I was in 2015 or or 2014.
0: Okay. So has anything changed with him over these last few years?
1: My ex-husband?
0: Have you, I mean, he's obviously got to be aware of what's going on.
1: Oh, I'm sure he's aware of what's going on, but I don't. I don't even really know. I, um, when I divorced him, I I was in such a broken down. I mean, really, Jenny, it's it's a miracle that I'm alive.
0: I'm sure
1: because because my my family of origin, you know, my parents and my sisters and even my children at the time really believed that I was just the big problem, right? Right. Like, like Kate and her addiction is the big problem and if we get her fixed or we get rid of her then everything will be fine and so I I moved to a town a couple hours away I got rid of a television I got rid of everything I just I listened to music and I spent time with animals and time in nature and I and went for walks for like a year just trying to to Patch things together for myself, and at that, and as far as I know, um, I do believe I, I have good reason to believe that Eldon's, or excuse me, my ex-husband, his name is Eldon. His 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 association with David Hamblin continued because after we divorced, she married somebody that I believe he met at 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 the Healing Circle through Hamblin, and I think Hamblin officiated over their wedding. That now has been. Uh, he's divorced from that, but he still had, as far as I know, until until Hamlet's arrest, my ex-husband still had a close association with him.
0: Well, he's very seductive, and it's obvious because of the things I've read about him that he has had this kind of overweening power over the um, people in his orbit, mm-hmm. and so um, absolutely,
1: I, will, I was caught up in it.
0: Yeah. You know? Well it's it's easy to see how someone who's just beginning their healing process would be so easily sucked in to um, anything that might assuage their own pain. And so if right. you feel like it's being helpful, why not? So right. let's go ahead and jump to the hearing. We okay. both We both listened to it live. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the one who organized a protest and I think thank the, you for doing that. Well, I think the 12 people who showed up, are some of the bravest people in Utah.
1: I would, I would concur, absolutely. And i I would have been there. Um, I don't. I don't live in Utah anymore. Um, and a big part of the reason I don't live in Utah is is because I've I've made the choice to put my own healing in front of any of, of other things. And and I found a place that's that's healing for me. But so it's quite a drive for me to go.
0: Yeah, it's but it's an eight hour trip for me, and
1: thing, that's about how about how long it would be for me too. But I want to thank you for that, and I wanna I really, I really want all of the people to know who showed up at the courthouse in Manti that I deeply, deeply appreciate them.
0: For I do showing too. Up. I do too, because I think it would have been so easy for um, it to just be shoved completely under the rug, and because right. just a few people stood up, ABC News in Utah did. Do a very small report on it. They did not. I saw that. They did not mention that they interviewed me or asked why I organized the protests. Derek right. Rose, Derek Rose at Last American Vagabond, also did a small story. Yes, and I love Derek. I do too.
1: Derek is wonderful. He, I did an interview with Derek. Um, a, a couple of video interviews with Derek, and he, um, Derek is a really good person who believes in truth and and exposing this and i really appreciate the coverage he is you know, in, i consider i consider derek a personal
0: friend he is incredibly brave and fearless and um he's willing to stand with the victims and not, he doesn't shy away from any difficult reporting so he's a hero in all this most yeah. most of the individual journalists on substack and other places around the web backed away from this story when all of us were sent cease and desist letters from a law firm right. in utah they right. definitely quelled my reporting because I became concerned about a lawsuit. And then Goel showed up on investigations and ritual abuse and started banging out these reports that were just so mind boggling, right. good that I was like, well, I guess I'll, I'll jump back in. He, he definitely emboldened me with his. His, <laughs> Troy, his Troy and I
1: were talking about, like, who do you think Goel is? And I know. Like, I, I think he must be an angel. I mean, I don't know. <laughs>
0: he he's definitely like, he's definitely got the skills that I would yeah. I wouldn't even aspire to, in he, terms I've of. Just,
1: I have such deep gratitude for Goel and and the work that he's he's done on this case and and the you know the he's just stalwart and true and steady and that's what's going to take for this.
0: Well, I for think all
1: this to become uncovered.
0: I think it would take you know i would love to see like a thousand other individual investigators right. crowdsource this story the way that other crimes have been right. crowdsourced on the web it hasn't quite hit that point yet but i'm predicting that it will
1: i'm i'm, ho- I'm holding on to the hope that it will and, and you know jenny i i'm going to stand um it's a really hard thing to do it's a really difficult thing to do but i'm done with being scared and being hushed and being told that, you know, that I shouldn't talk about certain things. I'm, and I'm just, I'm completely done with systems, many systems in Utah and around the world, uh, protecting predators and shaming victims.
0: Yeah. I'm sick of it. Well, and I've, I've felt that there was so much shame, tied to this situation in terms of people who are members of the Church of Satan, the LDS version of it, being embedded in our institutions at BYU and the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, and perhaps even in church leadership here and there, and the individual families and people who've been involved in all this for generations, there is so much shame that it's it the knee-jerk reaction, I think, of our people, and I'm talking the Mormon people it's right. just, just not talk about it. Let's shove it under the rug. The church can't handle it. Look at all of our kids leaving the church. We can't handle it. It's too big. It's too messy. Let's just right. hush it up. If that is your position, you're listening to the show right now, and that is your position, that is not Heavenly Father's way.
1: No, no. His way is truth and light.
0: And if we want to stand in the truth, and if we want to have real healing around this situation, we have to talk about it. We have to expose it. We have to hold these criminals accountable. I I personally think if the crimes that have been reported about David Hamblin are correct, he deserves the death penalty. The people in his orbit deserve the death penalty. And how can we do less when thinking about all the many victims, yourself included, all the many victims of all of the layers of this crime? It has to be dealt with squarely. And so, and so I'm there for it. You know, I'm, I'm here for it. I've been reporting on it since June of last year, which is much time I, and energy as I could devote to it. And, I appreciate you, Jenny. Well, because I'm a victim too, from this, right. ne- this nest that was festering. I pro- I think they probably still are going in Detroit tied to my faith and my community. You know, I, mm-hmm. I want to help expose cause I don't know that I'll ever get justice around my own situation. But if I can and, you know,
1: justice is something um you know, if somebody asked me I think it was Derek Rose asked me why 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 do you want to talk about this and and you know I I don't really have this I'm not carrying a banner for justice, you know, I'm not necessarily looking to prosecute people or or see them uh or, or, or see justice be served. And I, I'm speaking up First and foremost, for my own healing process, and second, for people who who can't speak for themselves. It's been said that I, I, that kind of got twisted a little bit. My some of my words, I think, have been twisted a little bit. Um, that I'm speaking up and and want and like that I'm doing it for for victims or that I want to help victims. And I want to be clear that like I I have no hope or I mean I have hope for every victim. But I, I'm not speaking up because I want to call victims to me that I think I can help them. Like, I'm just trying – I, I got to work on helping myself <laughs> and healing myself. But um, I'm speaking out because this these are things that need to be talked about. and um, And I'm doing it for my own healing and for people who cannot, for whatever reason. There's a lot of people who have taken their own lives – there's a lot of people who are too afraid to speak up about it. Uh, there's times where I'm afraid to talk about it, but then I remember, wait a minute, look how I, this has been. You know, look how 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 much evidence was in David Hamblin's 2012 trial. A confession. We have a confession, and it didn't even get. It, we didn't get a conviction. It didn't even get to trial. The tried, charges got dropped, and the reason is because people. Are overcome with fear and they, they haven't talked. So even though I'm scared, even though I don't want to be the this, this spokesperson or I don't, you know, I don't want a attention called to me if it's necessary for me to speak out again and again, I'm going to do it. Yeah.
0: Well, I so appreciate your bravery coming on the show today. Mm-hmm. I'm, Thank we were you. all a little bit demoralized by the judge's decision to let him out on bail.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I was really sad. Troy and I watched it, and and you know, the, we were hopeful because we got so many people that signed the the Change petition, and 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 we were ho- and and I knew that that there were people there that, like you said, those twelve really super brave people in Utah, and and that there was a public showing, and there's a, a voice on the internet. I was a little bit hopeful, maybe that they would they would not give him bail but i kind of expected that they would just because so you know there are there are powers that be or people that are that are really trying hard to silence this
0: and i don't think they want his case going to trial
1: they don't because they no. don't
0: want the spectacle of the media asking questions about what he did what right. what is the evidence when that evidence comes out it is so damning it, right. it is this never ending hellscape of just mind bending crime after crime, after crime, many, many of these crimes against his own family. Right. And you're like, how can we not, how can we not expose this?
1: That's how I, you know, his daughter, he has, a David Hamlin has a daughter named Kate. And during that 2012, um, the 2012 case, I went to those those hearings, and and I sat with my my ex husband and members of our of the healing circle, and I and I watched her, and I thought she is so brave, like she is so strong and so brave, and I didn't know any of like we I didn't I hadn't read any of the um, victim statements or anything, but I remember looking at his daughter that I share a name with and thinking. She is really brave and she deserves, she deserves for me or for any, anyone else to stand up and, and say, let's hear, let's see what happened. Let's hear what happened. And it got, it all crumbled and it went down. And I think about her, you know, the other Kate out there, the other Katie that, that has been hushed and quieted and is probably afraid for her own safety and, and that's why when, that's why I continue to talk. That's why, uh, you know, 10 days ago when, when detectives called me and said, you know, the, we're going to have this bell hearing. What can you tell us about his recent crimes? Can you please help? Uh, you know, other people are too scared to do it. I thought about that other Kate and I'm like, mm, I'm scared, but I'm still going to do it because if I don't, who will, this is going to get dropped just like the 2012 case. And he's done so many people so wrong. For so long, and it is time to hold his feet to the fire.
0: Yeah. Well, I was demoralized. Not surprised that he's going to be on house arrest. They said he's going to have a a GPS around his ankle, making certain that he doesn't go anywhere. No contact with kids. Mm -hmm. And the next thing I I just saw the lawyer just kind of kicking everything down the road. May we're going to have a hearing to hear when we're going to schedule the court date. I know they're trying to get it dismissed. They've been trying to get it dismissed from the very beginning. And this is why I felt it was so important to get those victim statements published. I didn't, right. I didn't consult with anybody. I didn't ask anybody's opinion. Should I do this or not? No, let's get these out there. These are the evidence. This is. And when that um, attorney contacted me to tell me to cease and desist, they claimed that I had doxxed these, these girls and shared oh their names and their, you know, it's like, I didn't do anything. All I did was share, their statements and there was tons tons of redaction in the statements by the Provo police department. And if my feeling is, if the journalists on TV can have these statements and make reports on them, then the people should have them too. No, no gatekeepers around this evidence.
1: Right. And we should, we should know the whole story. Yes. Right. We should see all the evidence, not just what is, is whitewashed at one news media outlet or the other. Right. We should we should be able to have the whole the whole truth and all of the evidence. So I was disappointed. I kind of expected it that that he would get get bail because it it's a long you know it's a long road and there's a lot of there's a lot of players and a lot just a whole lot of information in this case. Um, you know, we lost that battle, but we haven't lost the war. And
0: yeah,
1: well. I'm going to continue to. To speak up in any way I can um, and give, get, you know, help in whatever way I can to, to shed light on, on some really dark matters.
0: Well, I'm glad you're willing to speak publicly. And do you have anything else you want to share? I feel like we should probably wind down.
1: No, just thank you so much for the work you do. Um, thank you to anybody who is listening. Um, I'd like to encourage anybody who has, um, you know, if you have any evidence or you have, um, if you have experiences that you want to share, please contact the Utah County Sheriff's Office or the prosecutor in this case. You know, if you have, if you, if, if we could really use it, we could use the help of everyone to make sure that people who are harming um, children and, and others are held accountable. Yeah. And that I pray, I'm i praying for everybody that's hurting right now. And, and I hope that everybody in their own way is finding peace and, and solace and healing and, and that we're going to make it, you guys. We're going to make it. We are. <laughs> we're going to make it. Evil won't win.
0: No, it won't. It's been prophesied. They're going to go down big. Well, thanks again for your time. I'm going to close out the show. Um, okay. I look forward to crossing paths with you at some point in the future. Thanks for your support. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Thank, times... you for... Thank
1: you. Thank mm-hmm. you for being willing.
0: Well, yeah. at times it's, it's been kind of a lonely walk, but, um, I'm grateful for everyone who's stepped up and spoken out. And, um, I look forward to the right thing being done. So.
1: Yeah, we've had Thank you, Jenny. Take care of yourself. Okay? You
0: too. You too. God right.
1: bless. You too. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.